impacts them every day. I think we're going to do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. If you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you'll find the support, accountability, and mentorship you need to achieve your goals and be a high-value man. Join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. And we're getting a lot of wind in our sails today. I'm I'm excited to introduce you to the happiest man you will ever meet. The life is too short guy, Scott White, joining us on the podcast. Scott, it's a pleasure, brother. Thank you so much, Ted, for inviting me. After, after that sort of wind up and intro, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Let's talk modern men. Yes, sir. Home run out of the park. Uh, let's give you an opportunity to get uh, associated with the audience because I really find that it's it's great when I say the titles and I can just kind of say the accolades and where someone is in life, but it never tells a story. So please, the stage is yours, Scott. Uh, introduce yourself to the audience and let them know who you are. Awesome. Well, um, as you said, I'm the life is too short guy. That's who I, I am today. I wrote a book earlier this year in January called The Life is Too Short Guy, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever. And I'm now on a mission to make the world happier one smile at a time, sharing my philosophy and, and my vision. And that's where I'm spending a lot of my time. I, I also have a day job. I, this is, is not a full-time job. My, my day job is I am chairman and CEO of a public real estate company called Invesc. And I'm also a um, co-founder and partner in a student housing development company called Spectra. So I spend time in the real estate space. And right now I'm really out marketing and talking about and sharing my vision around the life is too short guy. Most importantly, I am married to my high school sweetheart and I have two daughters that are both about to be in college. So that's me in probably about 60 seconds or less. I love that. That must have been the most concise and like detailed uh, roundup that we've had on the podcast. So Scott, I really do appreciate that. And, and my first question, I wrote this down because I love the mission. And obviously the question is, do you really believe you can make every day the best day ever absolutely absolutely and people have asked me and challenged me on that and here's my answer my answer is to tell you every day will be the best day ever i don't think is is defensible i don't think it's realistic and you should question my credibility mm -hmm. what i say is i'm on a mission to make every day the best day ever give it a chance give it an opportunity mm -hmm. right now it's all I have. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow, I'll worry about tomorrow. Today is today. So why not thrive and strive to make it the best day possible? And look, it sounds fluffy and anyone listening says, yeah, whatever, maybe. But if, 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 and we'll talk about this, we go through some of the tools, some of the, the tweaks, the minor changes that you make in your attitude and how you approach the world, you can live a happier life. You can live a better life and you can spread that happiness to the world around you. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish. I like it. I think I could agree with that. You wake up in the morning, you have a blank canvas it is it is what you make it right get to painting um i, I want to start because i know we're, we're going to talk about kind of some tips for people and some guys that are listening to to make their day the best day ever but uh let, let's rewind a little bit was was scott always this happy or was there a transition where is there an origin story behind kind of the 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 methodology and the phys the the system that you set up now it's an evolution. I, there's no way I could tell you I was born the happiest guy and every day in my life was the happiest because we're all humans and we've all had setbacks. And I think over the course of my life and in the book, I talk about, excuse me, four major 
moments in my life. I wouldn't say any one of them was the defining moment. The next day I was the life is too short guy, but, but I've had setbacks that I've overcome and the four setbacks or, or stories I tell in the book or when I was 10 years old, I, I was working in the house with my dad and, and he cut his finger and my mom came and looked at it and said, oh, we should probably take you to the hospital and get that stitched up. I went to bed, middle of the night, mom comes in and says, dad had a heart attack in the emergency room. Oh, wow. And when you're 10 years old, that's that's a, a life altering experience that, you know, he survived and he and my mom went on to they had to fly across the country. This is 1984. So you're talking about a different stage of medicine. And 1984, he flew across the country to Houston, Texas and was operated on by one of the few doctors that was doing bypass surgery at the time. And I, I really remember hearing from him afterwards. And, and that was a wake up call at 10 years old to realize, wow, life's not guaranteed and, and life's too short. You have no idea what tomorrow's going to bring. And and there are probably small steps along the way, but then, you know, about, I guess, let's see, 20, 17 years ago, um, I lost my dad. So, so I did lose him at a fairly young age. And there's no doubt that was a setback for me. Um, I lost my mom about six years ago, and there's no doubt that was a, I shouldn't say a setback. Actually, I think that's a, a bad choice of words. It, it was an opportunity to learn. It was an opportunity to open your eyes and be like, wow, life is too short. The the fourth one that I glossed over or skipped, but I shouldn't have is the events of 9-11. On 9-11, I was in downtown Manhattan, and I walked by the World Trade Center about a half hour before the first plane hit the building. Mm-hmm. I was in an office building about six or seven blocks north of the World Trade Center when the first plane hit. I watched the second plane hit. I watched the towers fall. I knew people that were involved in in what happened that day. And then over the next couple of weeks, I lived down in that area. And that had a transformative effect on me. So, um, Ted, while there wasn't a specific moment that I was the life is too short guy, those are four big defining moments in my life. Yeah. And as many of us go through these seasons, right, we I always say you're either in a storm, just got out of one or heading into one. Right. Those are the three options that we have in life. But as you mentioned, hey, give it a chance. New day, new blank canvas. What was the inception of what became the life is too short philosophy that you have now, the steps and the and the and really the habits that folks can probably adopt? How did that originate? How did the seed take hold and how did you start watering it? So the there wasn't a specific framework. There wasn't, you know, had you and I talked five years ago and you said, what's your life philosophy and give me the framework. I would have told you, well, you know, I live every day to to the max and I'm high energy and I live in the moment. I'm super positive. And, and you, like other people might have said to me, and a lot of people did years ago is, wow, you have a lot of energy of such a positive perspective on life. It would be kind of cool if we could package that up somehow and share it with the world. And I thought about that, but never really actioned it. Then during COVID, I was working with a new executive coach. His name was Kevin. I talk about Kevin in the book. And at our second meeting, so first meeting, I do a couple of evaluations, who I am, what I'm about. Second meeting, he said exactly like this. He's like, dude, you are like Mr. Life is too short guy. Everything's rah-rah, get it done, live in the moment, do it today. And I'm like, yeah, I think that's right. Although I never really thought of it that way. Like I, I never thought of myself as the life is too short guy. And then that night I mentioned it to my wife and and I use the exact same analogy you do. She she planted a little seed. She's like, oh, maybe that's the book that you always wanted to write. And I was like, 
that what would that book be? That makes no sense. And, you know, she, we've been together now 30 some odd years and she knows how to plant that seed and then water that seed. And then, you know, check in with me a couple of days later. And, and she sort of pushed me to maybe this is your book. And then it evolved last year. I, I was able to take my philosophy and put pen to paper. You know, you really yeah. understand who you are, what you're about when you when you write it down. And one of the things that I'm very proud and excited about with the book and the philosophy is it is authentically me. This isn't something that I researched and said, oh, you know, to live a better life, you have to do these three things. Or based on that philosophy, you have to do those two things. This is me. This is day to day. Blocking and tackling, living in the moment. Yeah. Blocking and tackling. What does that mean? Blocking and tackling means waking up every day. It means, you know, one of the tools that I share with people, and it's amazing how when I say it, people are like, huh, yeah, maybe. And then I hear from people <laughs> weeks later, like, you know, I've been doing this and it works. So so here's my question for you, Ted. What was your first thought when you opened your eyes this morning? Uh, it's early. <laughs> early, okay. Early, early. It's early. So, so I will tell you, it's my observation that, that people have three sets of glasses, I'm going to use real glasses, sitting on their, their nightstands. They wake up in the morning, and I think most people put on – the glasses you put on, I call them the, the blurry glasses. My blurry glasses are like, ah, it's Tuesday. It's early. I got to get up. I don't know what I have to do today. It's, it's kind of like uh, just opening your eyes and starting the day. Okay. No harm, no foul. Mm -hmm. Some people, unfortunately, and by the way, I think it's in my observation, non-statistically significant empirical evidence. I bet that's 50 to 60% of the people. Another third of the people plus or minus, unfortunately put on those muddy glasses. They are like, Oh, it's early. It's dark. I'm cold. I got too much to do. I don't feel like getting out of bed. I, <laughs> and they, they go through that litany. What I tell people is it's such an easy tool and it's amazing how much it helps. Why not reach over and put on those bright, clear glasses and be like, it is Tuesday. It is the best day ever. I'm so grateful and happy to wake up in a comfortable bed next to someone I love. My daughter is in the room next to me. I'm going to next to us. I'm going to go downstairs and make myself a wonderful cup of coffee. I have the opportunity to talk to Ted and his audience today. I have the all right. I'm now 10 seconds into the day and I'm fired up. Yeah. Right? So, so as as the the you know the the quote is often overused, but I think applicable. As Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't. You're probably right. So why not set the tone for the day with those crystal clear glasses to say, you know what? It's going to be an amazing day. I'm happy. I'm grateful to wake up. That's blocking and tackling. That's a simple concept that anyone listening to this could try tomorrow. And by the way, maybe it doesn't work for you. You wake up and you're like, you know what? I don't care what that crazy guy said. I'm just tired. And that's fine. Yeah. That's choice, but give it a chance. Give it a chance for a few days. And I will tell you, I've had a lot of feedback from people saying, wow, it really gets my day going. It gets me energized. It sets me on the, the framework and the roadmap for having a better day. I love that. A lot of folks hear that whole, uh, you know, don't talk to me till I have my coffee, things like that. It's like, nope. you don't have to have that mentality. And my wife nope. and I just had this conversation because I asked her, I said, babe, what is hangry? I said, I, I, can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't understand it. Right. And we go into the science of it and it's like your liver, your body's releasing, you're, you're low in glucose, so you're more irritable. So it's a shorter fuse. I'm like, sure, a shorter fuse doesn't mean you have to blow up. Right. right. A shorter, a shorter fuse to what? Right. But to your point, it's, it's framing it. Right. It's OK. You might be a little hungry. So you have an opportunity to maybe try something you haven't eaten before. Right. You're, you're driving. Let's try this restaurant or something like that. Um. Break it down for us. What is the life is too short philosophy? What is that? The full, the full package. So the, the full package of life is too short 
guy philosophy, I call it, or Litzig, has 10 principles. And each of the principles is um, meant to give you a framework for thinking about it. It's, it's not, as I said, I'm going to emphasize it, an academic work. This isn't, yeah. you know, based on the, the ivory tower professor who did this. Kind of, no, this is day to day. Wake up and run with it. So here we go. The first principle is um, attitude is everything, the power of positivity. And we talked a little bit about mm -hmm. that just now. The second principle is choose your attitude and own it. So you have the ability. Let me ask you something. Um, of your happiness pie, let, let's envision a pie. What percent of that pie? Yep, there you go. What percent of that pie do you think happiness is based on your circumstances, your new job, your big pay increase, your marriage, your, um, but let's go the other way. Unfortunately, your, your, uh, sickness, your divorce, death of someone, what percent of your long-term happiness is based on your circumstances? I feel like I'm kind of uniquely prepared for this because I would probably bring that maybe to 30, 40%. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you, most people guess kind of big. It's 10%. That actually has been statistically proven. And most people are surprised by this. 50-ish percent plus or minus of your happiness is in part predicted by your genetic makeup. That's the reality. Your hair color, your mm -hmm. eye color, your your weight, whatever is, is pre-programmed. And, and some of your happiness, about half, is, is predicted by that. 10% is your circumstances. 40% is right here choose your attitude and own it. How are you going to go about that day? As you notice, Ooh. principle one and two are very similar um, in terms of uh, attitude is everything, the power of positivity. The second one is take control, grab it, choose your attitude and own it. Third one is little things make a big difference. And this mm -hmm. one's important because I want your listeners and my readers to realize you don't have to change your whole life to live a happier life. You can make small adjustments, small tweaks, small. Okay. What do you mean by that, Scott? Give me, give me some examples. Here's a simple one. Ready? Smile. Yeah. There you go. Boom. <laughs> you did it. And when you say that to people, they do it. Don't you feel better than you did 10 seconds ago? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I say to people, Think about smiling more proactively. You wake up, you smile. You get in your car, you smile. You go down and make breakfast, you smile. You get in the office, you smile. You get in the shower, you smile. Why not smile more often? It's kind of easy. It's painless. It creates chemicals in your brain to make you happier. And by the way, those around you mm -hmm. happier. Another little thing makes a big difference. Um, uh Oh my God, I drew, I drew a blank there, but um, random acts of kindness. I don't know why I did that, but random acts of kindness. When was the last time you were the recipient or giver of a random act of kindness? And, and mm -hmm. there was a study done that demonstrates that the recipient of a random act of kindness substantially appreciates that act more than the giver believes the recipient would. Isn't yeah. that pretty cool? So yeah. if you perform some random act of kindness, you think, oh, wow, Scott's really going to like that. The reality is I appreciate it more than you expected me to. So that's a couple. There are a few more tools and little things make a big difference. But but that's the uh, the third principle, so to speak. The fourth yeah. principle is minutes matter. Mm. Okay. So minutes matter is a self-reflection to realize that we only have a finite number of minutes in our life. And I do not give you a formula for how to use those minutes. You need to figure out how to use the minutes. What I tell people is, there are tools like creating a goals grid and, and acknowledging and understanding that that time is finite. It's our most precious commodity. Yeah. And thinking deliberately about how you're going to use your minutes. Too often people go through life and they get to the end of the day, the week, the month, the year. And they say things like, 
I don't know what I've gotten done. I'm running around, I'm chasing my tail, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but I'm not getting anything done. Okay, stop. Stop and think about what generates happiness. What do you want to do with your time and spend those minutes exactly like that? I, I give people this mental image to think about. I say, think about a barrel. Got it. Think about a barrel. For me, it's a wine barrel. For you, it could be some other kind of barrel. And in that barrel are your remaining minutes in life. For me, it's a little gold coin. So I have this mental image that when I choose to be on Ted's show and talk to Ted's listeners, I'm reaching in that barrel and I'm grabbing out a couple of those gold coins and I'm using up some of my minutes. Mm -hmm. What people need to realize is none of us know how many minutes are in that barrel. And, and this is important, we lose sight of the hole in the bottom of the barrel, the leaking minutes, the minutes that disappear that we don't know. We'll stop. Minutes matter and make the most of them. So that's the fourth principle. Um, you want me to keep going through the other six principles or you want me to pause here, Ted? Uh, yeah, I'd say pause there really quick because, I mean, I, I could re reflect on all of those. And I would say they're, they're I mean, we, we started off with the baseball analogy, so might as well keep it keep it going. You're hitting them out of the park because with the smiling, I could tell you that that's it's also a magnet, right? It gravitates people towards you. I don't know how many times someone's come up to me. He's like, I just wanted to say, hey, man, I saw your smile, man. You're over here having a good time. So everybody wants to be a life of the party, right? So if you are smiling and you look like you're enjoying what you're doing, I feel like that actually will gravitate things for you and a lot of people who are living their lives trying to make something happen well sometimes smiling will make life happen for you right and 100 the matter of minutes matter or random acts of kindness uh, i wanted to reflect on that really quick because um i heard it depicted very well about you know how good does it feel to give somebody something or something that they've been wanting right and they talk about christmas being the happiest time of the year well the, the person I was listening to argued that Christmas was the happiest time of the year, not because of all the gifts people were receiving, but because of the gifts everybody was able to give. And the question becomes, well, why do we limit just one time of the year to that opportunity? Why, why can't we use, like you mentioned, every day, a blank canvas, make it count mm -hmm. as an opportunity to kind of give and, and produce? project into others the happiness that you feel in life um and of course minutes matter and and speaking of those minutes every single thing is about living with intentionality right you mentioned hey wake up do with what your day i think it's early because it's about 2 20 in the morning but <laughs> i usually have my day blocked out like i woke up this morning i knew i'm i'm talking to scott at 2 p.m and i'm i have everything's locked in but because i want to flow within the day of where i am when I was walking with my wife and my dog right before this, I stopped for a minute. We looked at the park and I said, babe, just want to be thankful for a second. And I'm coming in here talking to you. So I, I'm, I'm picking up everything you're laying down, love brother. Keep, keep, keep those coming. Keep those coming. <laughs> that Look, that's a great reflection. Um, so moving along I'll, and I'll move fairly quickly and you can slow me down anytime you want. Number five is funny things are everywhere. Look around and laugh every day. Laugh at yourself. Laugh at the world. Laugh at others. Don't take your circumstances or, or your life too seriously. There's nothing that's that serious in the world. And, and I talk in the book. You know, one of the things I, I do in the book is I share stories, my stories and the stories of other people. And, and in the funny things are everywhere. One of the stories that I share is and, and the point is you could find humor literally anywhere so this so the person that's listening right now is like man this guy doesn't realize how hard i have it man this guy doesn't realize i'm dealing with x or y or z i i'm not going to find funny things okay well i told you my dad passed away about 17 years ago and and i was at his funeral the caskets open it's myself my brother a couple of the immediate family we're in the back room everyone else is out in the hall you know they'll come in in a few minutes 
and uh, my phone rings. Okay, so my phone rings and you want to think about the most inappropriate time in your life and probably one of the lowest points. I'm now looking down at my father's body. My phone rings. Most people would scramble like, where's my phone? Let me shut it off. Or they'll be embarrassed or whatever. I'm like, you know what? Grab the phone. I look down like, hey, dad, what's up? What are you up to? (laughs) People just froze and looked at me. They didn't know how to react. And then a second or two later, there was a combination of tears and laughter. Yeah. Realizing that no matter what the circumstances, you could find humor, soften the situation, level the playing field. Funny things are everywhere is uh, the fifth principle. The sixth principle is learn, learn, learn. Every day is an opportunity to learn something new. You find happiness by by learning more, by growing more. And it doesn't have to be a formal education. It doesn't have to be a a university course. It could very well be learning a new hobby. It could be uh, reading a newspaper. It could be studying something that's interesting and important to you. It could be a, a game, whatever it is. Use your mind and learn something new every day. This generates happiness. That's the sixth thing. The seventh thing is passion. Mm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about purpose. Purpose is, is I think, a somewhat trite, you know, trying to find my purpose in life. I tell people, and, and one of the things I, I love to do when I interview, and I've interviewed hundreds of people over the years, and I've interviewed people that are, you know, entry-level interns and analysts right up to C-suite executives to board members. I always ask the same question. I say, what's your passion? And it's amazing to me how often people look at me like, hmm, what do you mean? Like, hobby or what do you mean (laughs) work or i'm like what's your passion what excites you what motivates you what inspires you what do you how do you in part define yourself and if you don't know what that is you got to find it you got to find it because that leads to happiness that leads to doing things remember those minutes i talked about use your minutes for your passion use your your uh, spend time on the passion with people that share your passion with you by the way your passions are going to change. My passions change over time, but find something to immerse yourself in. So passion is the seventh one. Uh, let's see. Um, what else do I have? The eighth one is can't make it alone. I love this one. Can't make it alone is is so important because we as, as humans, as a society, we interact on a regular basis and so much of our happiness and so much of our success mm-hmm. is based in part on who we surround ourselves with and what we do do with our time and and social interaction. And I talk about, and I don't talk about a lot of academic studies in the, in the book, but I do talk about the Harvard study of what makes a good life. I don't know if, if you or any of your listeners have heard about this, but the study started in 1938 at Harvard studying a group about 256 Harvard sophomores. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, about 450 some odd um, inner city Boston area youth were added to the study. And this cohort of, what, about 700-ish people were followed for the rest of their lives. So 80-plus years later, they followed, and and obviously some of them aren't alive anymore, but they they followed this group of people to understand what makes a good life. And they followed the, the original participants, their children, their grandchildren. They did regular surveys, physical assessments, psychological assessments. I mean, there is so much data associated with this. And you know what the key takeaway was from the whole study? Yes. What are we talking about? We're talking about you need, can't make it alone. Yeah, Social you need community. matter more than anything. Social relationships are the greatest contributor to happiness, period, full stop. Those that here's a great statistic for you that I love to talk about. I am 
just barely bumping up against the half century mark of my life. Okay. So you look good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, those at age 50 that self-identified as having the strongest social network and social relationships 30 years later at age 80 were the happiest, the physically healthiest. So think about that. And the psychologically healthiest, those that were dealing with sort of uh, Alzheimer's, so on and so forth, the, the the group, the cohort at 50 that said, I am living a happy, interconnected life. I have a lot of friendships. I have meaningful, deep personal relationships. I'm involved in social things. Those are the ones that, and they demonstrate empirically that this was a greater predictor of, of physical health, physical and mental health than diet, than exercise. So we all think about our what we're eating and how we're exercising. By the way, that's really important. I don't want to downplay that. Yeah. But how often have we, have we thought about investing in our social networks, about building our friendships? Very powerful. Can't make it alone. Uh, number nine is take a chance and get it done today. So this is great for all your entrepreneurs that are listening to this. You got to take that chance. You got to, uh, we, we as a society tend to overestimate the risk. We overestimate fear. We get stuck in our world of, of risk and fear and we don't take that chance. And, and I refer to a book in there written by a Australian palliative care nurse called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And it, it's a mm -hmm. wonderful book that, that's worth reading for any of your listeners after they're done reading my book. Um, and the five regrets of the dying, the key takeaway, the number one takeaway, the biggest regret people have on their deathbed is the regret of what they didn't do. Mm, so it's not wow. the regret of a mistake. It's not the regret of, of something really stupid. It's the regret of, I wish I had, boom, take a chance, get it done today. Close it out with number 10, which is tied to a lot of the others. Live today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Make today the best day ever. That's it. That's yeah. it. Nutshell. I love that. And, and that seems like something that has been exhaustedly worked down into simplicity, which is what makes it so deliverable, right? Because we can we can go deep in each and every single one, but to kind of just lay it out in those key, 10 key principles, you, you've kind of summarized, but accurately articulated and delivered that package for folks for day in and day out. Um, how would you package it and how would you apply this to, to say some of our entrepreneurs and some of our business owners that are listening right now, some guys that are listening, trying to get a hold on their life? What would you tell them to help apply these practices a little bit better in their everyday lives? Pick anyone. I mean, you could pick. So, so the beauty of it is one, all 10 principles are easily applicable. You could take any of those and apply them. And by the way, there are tools under each of them that, that we don't have time to go through all of them today. I give you a few of those in terms of how you wake up and the smiling and the random acts of kindness. But pick some of those tools and think about how it applies to your business. So, so we can pick anyone. I mean, if you want, you could give me one or I could pick one for you. It doesn't matter which one it is. I wanted to talk with... Uh, an I mean, hey, this is what did speak to a lot of the entrepreneurs. Take a chance, get it done today. Take a chance to get it done today. So there I talk about how you frame decisions and think about fear and risk. Fear and risk are, are, are the types of things that, that, that stop us. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid to take risks. And I tell people, let's redefine those terms. Let's um, let, let, let's think about what is the worst possible thing that could happen. Let's think about what the route back is to the extent that 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 theoretical worst possible thing happens. Let's apply some some probabilities and say, well, you know, on a probability weighted basis, how how likely is that? Just take the chance. Get out of your comfort zone and do something different today. And by the way, this doesn't only apply to business. This isn't just entrepreneurial 
um, principles. This is life. This is, you know, go out and, and talk to a stranger, right? Yeah. How long was the last time you just randomly talked to a stranger? Guess what? We're all humans. We all have a story. We all want to interact. Yes, there's sometimes people don't want to be bothered. I got that. But here we go. Take a chance. Get it done today. Talk to a stranger. Engage with someone. Reach out to someone you admire and ask them for some of their time. Um, if you're thinking about that, that leaving your your day job and taking a chance on um, entrepreneurship, go for it. Give it a shot. And I talk in the book about how I've done that over the course of my career and and left what I believed were very comfortable positions. And wow, it really opens your eyes. To, I, I can't believe I was so afraid. Yeah, yeah. Ask that girl out, right? You, you know, take that leap. You, Whatever. Oh no, what's she gonna say? Well, if she says no, you're in the same position you're in now, right? What do you it's, have to lose? We, we we have this instinct, and in fact, I redefined the word risk, and I gave a little moniker to it. And I said, instead of thinking about risk in the old terms, what if we uh, resist our instinct, resist mm -hmm. our instinct, and start with knowledge? R I S K. Mm -hmm. So we're immediately like, wow, this is a terrible risk. Give up on the resist that immediate instinct and start with what knowledge you have of the situation. What could happen? Why not? So yeah. I, I challenge people to redefine risk. Kind of really identify what is actually at stake here. And I, I remember asking a friend about financial investments. Like, are you going to go broke? Are you going to go homeless? No, but it's a lot of money. Are you going to miss it in, in five, 10 years? You can make the, you, you have a job all right. that kind of reassess it. Um, Scott, yeah, yeah. You, you strike me as an optimist. <laughs> if I were to put you in a room full of pessimists, how would you navigate that room? So what I tell people is, uh, so first of all, I would love it because you could expose <laughs> me to anybody and I look at it as a challenge, as an opportunity, as a, a way of spreading happiness. Again, I said my mission is to make the world happier one smile at a time. Mm -hmm. And what I say to people is that that there, I said to you before, 50% of your happiness is in part predicted by your genetic makeup. So by definition, there's, there's a certain amount of negativity and pessimism in, in people. And by the way, we all face that. There's not a doubt in my mind. I'm the happiest guy you ever met. I can't credibly tell you every minute of my life, I am so happy. In fact, my wife can guarantee you that's not the case, right? Yeah. So um, what I tell people is that happiness is not an absolute measure. It's a relative measure. So maybe you are, and I'm just going to use my hands, you're here and getting up here is not possible. But what if you just, Mr. Pessimist, smile for one second? Give me a smile. All right, you just moved a little bit. All right, ready? Now I say to you, Mr. Pessimist, what if you think about for one second something you're passionate about? What do you love? We all have something we love. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be donuts. I don't care what it is. What do you love? Boom. I just moved up a little bit. Now I say to you, Mr. Pessimist, you've gone from here to here to here. Why don't we think about funny things? You're like, ah, I'm a pessimist. I don't see funny things. Well, look around. Look at the world around you. There's something that you will find humorous and maybe move a little bit more. My point is this is a... The book, the principles of my philosophy is meant to give people practical day-to-day -day blocking and tackling tools to move a little bit, to, to make, to give each day a chance to be happier. If we all were a tiny bit happier, think about the ripple effect around the world of everyone being a little bit happier. Think about the change in our our national dialogue, instead of reading every headline, you know that 90% of all news media is negative and 80% of all thoughts are negative. Why is that? Why can't we transform that dialogue to people talking about happiness, people talking about gratefulness, people talking about positivity? That's what I want to accomplish.
Yeah, the thousands of thoughts of the day that we have, most of them being negative, most of them subconscious thoughts. We're not paying close attention to them. We, we, we're we letting them run wild in our heads, not taking control. Like That's you right. mentioned, living with intentionality and changing the narrative. Um, you kind of alluded to it before, but I, I kind of want to paint that picture for folks, kind of show the, the beautiful ending. What does a happier life look like, right? You know, life is, we're, we're talking to the, you know, life is too short guy. What does it look like? implementing some of these practices, learning every day, uh, you know, using every minute, not going it alone and picking our attitudes, smiling. What are some of the, I guess, the fruits that come from that tree of living a happier life? Well, look, I think it's tied to one of the questions you asked before about entrepreneurs and what would you tell them? I would tell them that I think the most successful people in life in whatever they do, whether it's business, whether it's athletics, whether it's family, whatever it is, are those with the most positive attitude. The healthiest people in life are those with the most positive attitude. And there's lots of statistics on this. I'm not going to just throw random stats at you right now, but I could assure you that it has been statistically proven. And, and there have been many studies that show that generally speaking, and there's always outliers. I got it. You will find greater success. However you define success by yeah. definition, this is almost a circular reference, right? It's almost like I'm saying you define success, which leads to happiness and your happiness will, will help you find greater success. I realize the circular logic in this, but with that said, you want to be an entrepreneur. You want to be a, a, a C-suite executive. You want to be a singer. You want to be an author. You want to be a great father, whatever it is. It all comes down to this. It all comes down to the attitude. It all comes down to how you approach life. Wake up tomorrow. Make it a great day. Live the most of every minute of every day. When you go to sleep, wake up the next day and make it an even better day. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott White, happiest guy you will ever meet. I told you at the beginning of the podcast, and it did not disappoint. Uh, Scott, I, I definitely want to make sure that the listeners, our audience, can connect with you, follow you, kind of get some of that infectious positivity that you have, kind of just seeping through the Zoom call and seeping through the podcast speakers and through YouTube to our audience. So how can folks connect with you and get more of it? Awesome. So the easiest way is to check out my website, lifeistoshortguy.com. Lifeistoshortguy.com. There you can find out information about my book, which is called The Life is Too Short Guy, Strategies to Make Every Day the Best Day Ever. You can find that on Amazon. Um, you can find all my social media links, my email, which is scott at scottewhite.com. Reach out. I'd be happy to talk. I'd be happy to put you on my newsletter. I'm also doing a lot of motivational speaking right now. So if to the extent your company, your team, your whatever, your organization is looking for a, a jolt of happiness, some of this in, in a workshop or in a keynote, reach out. I'd love to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll have those links in the show notes and the description for folks to kind of just open it up and get those details. Scott, last question. It's usually the heaviest one, which is why I save it for the end. Um, and and we might have touched on it during the the episode, but what is something you've seen or something that's happened to you that kind of shapes the way you view the world as a man? Probably the four things I already said. I yeah. mean, I, I, I'm just going to circle back to that, that, that when you're uh, a 10 year old boy and your father has a heart attack, that really puts a perspective in you in terms of, of the power of fatherhood and relationships. When you watch the events of nine 11, it really, sparks your wow this could i mean i was a few blocks north of there when you when you bury two parents you realize that the life is short go out and be the best father you could be go out and be the best husband you could be go out and be the best friend you could be go out and be the best team member employee whatever that best is you want to be life's too short don't waste another minute yeah it, it reminds me of um an interview 
uh, woman, she was you know terminally ill, and it, it it seemed like an insensitive question, but she handled it so gracefully. The 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 reporter asked, "How does it feel knowing you're dying?" And the answer was, "Well, how does it feel acting like you're not?" <laughs> and right we can all we can all kind of meditate on. And that's a great don't. that's a great answer, Scott White. The happiest man you'll ever meet. The life is too short guy. Author, make sure you grab the book. I'm going to recap some of the things that you, you mentioned along the way, but just wanted to say thank you, brother, for, for the positivity and, and for for the steps and the knowledge that you gave us today. It definitely was, was highly valuable for our audience, so we appreciate it. Awesome. Ted, thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, my, my pleasure. And starting with the first thing you mentioned with the new day, give it a chance right? So many of us wake up with one of those three glasses. Are they the muddy glasses? Are they the, the foggy glasses? Or are you going to pick up those crystal clear glasses, right? And take on the day, give it a chance, write it down. You find out more of who you are and you connect with, with what's really inside when you write it down. And every day can be the best day ever when you apply some of the tools that Scott gave us, starting with the attitude and then take ownership and choose 40% of your happiness is all in here, all in your head. Little things make a big difference. And then random acts of kindness. Think of that person who paid for your coffee at Starbucks or maybe in the drive through line. You just say, hey, what's the person's order behind me? I'd like to bless him with the order this today. Those little acts of kindness make the minutes matter. Kind of identifying the passion. What makes your heart rate increase in a, in a positive way? Do more of that, right? Find that passion. Learn, learn, learn. Funny things are everywhere. Uh, can't make it alone. If you want to go fast, you can go alone. But if you want to go far in life, if you want to have a fulfilled and fruitful life, don't go it alone and take a chance. Get it done today and then live today. Uh, just those tips. And then even further, the genetic makeup plays a role in our happiness, identifying that it's not about being the happiest person, but maybe just taking the steps just a little bit into the direction of a little bit of a happier life could bear some of those fruits that you could live with positivity, which in turn equals health, health. And of course, resist the instinct, start with knowledge when you're weighing fear and risks. So much value in this episode, guys. I'm glad that you made it to the end with us. Scott White, thank you so much for all that value and the positivity. And if you are just oozing with the optimism and the positivity. We'd love for you to share it. Hit that share button to someone else that could use some of this goodness. And of course, hit that like and subscribe button to get a new episode each and every single week. Leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing or leave some well wishes because we love hearing from you guys. And as always, we appreciate you rocking with us all the way to the end and stick around for a new episode next week. Everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Have some good day. I think we're gonna do a great job.